Good evening. Hello, hello. <laughs> welcome, welcome. I'm so distracted by Craig's comment that we made the, the, the short the cut of, of being watched during a live race. It's so exciting. Yeah. My, my dad loves racing, and so I know what a big sacrifice that is. Anyways, <laughs> good evening. The Digwells and the Wingums have jumped in. Good to see you guys as well. Kids are in bed, I'm guessing. Or uh, on their way, anyways. Yeah, right. Putting themselves to bed. Man, do you remember that stage of life? Yes. <laughs> oh, some evenings were better than others, let me tell you that. I never thought it would end, and now I'm... Yeah, now, now yeah. we look forward, not look forward, but can see when they're about to leave the nest and it's like, holy, that went fast. That went fast, <laughs> yes. Speaking of, of uh, people about to leave the nest, Jesus is about to leave his <laughs> disciples. <laughs> what a segue. What a segue. Jesus is about to leave <laughs> and we have a few things to learn. It's very exciting. Yes. <laughs> anyway. Oh my goodness, what a segue. Well... Speaking of segues, no. actually, I'm not very good at this. <laughs> I was so, like, no. Uh, starting in, we're in John 15, uh, starting in verse 1. Um, just Jesus talking about, I am the true vine. Yeah. Uh, I just, what a great picture. It highlights the need to be connected to Jesus. Uh, I'm not sure if uh, you guys saw this in your reading or in your, in your studying or whatever, but uh, the vine is a really a big symbol in Scripture. So in the Old Testament, the vine was Israel. Israel was the picture of the vine. Yeah. And the vine was always connected to God. And in fact, uh, here the, uh, the disciples are, are actually celebrating the Passover. And one of the symbols of the Passover is actually a, a, a vine. And there would have been a golden image of a vine in the temple and everything as well. So uh, the vine's a big thing. And now Jesus is saying, I am the vine, which is showing uh, um, the disciples who are listening to this. It's, it's not about being connected to your heritage. It's about being connected to yeah. me. It talks about a dynamic faith. And uh, that spoke to me because I grew up as a believer. I'm not sure everyone's story. Uh, everyone is either grown up in church or has come to faith differently. So uh, for me, it's like, you know, it's important that I'm not carrying just the, the faith of my parents or my upbringing, yeah. but a real relationship with Jesus. And then uh, I found it really cool. So and then verse 2, he talks about how uh, he cuts off and he prunes. And, and uh, in my study, it talked about kind of an alternative, not alternative, but just a a, a translation oh, cool. and a debate that goes on. So it's saying here um, uh, there is an alternative understanding of the passage that bears some consideration, so it's up for discussion. Uh, James Montgomery Boyce, and actually there's a whole bunch of little theologians he lists here, believe that the ancient Greek verb airo, which uh, translates takes away, uh, which translate, uh, uh, takes away or cuts off, is more accurately translated as lift up. The idea is cool. that the father lifts, lifts up unproductive vines off the ground as uh, was actually a common practice in ancient vineyard care. Uh, uh, those caring for ancient grapevines uh, made sure to lift them up off the ground mm -hmm. that they may be, uh, get more sun and bear fruit better. And then the verb translates to cut off, uh, which is similar but a little bit different, ario, uh, means literally to lift up or take away. The second trims uh, or clean, cafe uh, rio, a compound of the first, means to cleanse or to purify. And so even in the Greek language, it makes a distinction between uh, the first part of the verse where it says, you know, uh, uh, um, he, he will cut off, and then the second part where he says it prunes. Even though they're similar words, they're slightly different. So then there's a debate among scholars. So hmm. the debate is first, uh, Jesus lifts us up, uh, yeah. helps us, and then uh, kind of, you know, when nothing else is working, then we're cut off then. And so hmm. it's an interesting discussion and, and, and talking point. Every time I think of being a part of the vine, I, I always think, okay, how do I stay a part of the vine? What 
kind of behaviors, you know, kind of foster that. I don't want to be one that's cut off. I don't want to be unproductive. And what it made me think of was, have you ever had one of those moments where you're like, I don't know how I got to this place. And you're feeling a little dry, feeling a little like you're on the wrong kind of path a little bit. You're not like crazy yeah. sinning or anything, but you're like, I feel a little bit not connected to the vine. And then you're like, I need to get back to the last part where I was. Like you just yeah. kind of kind of need to find that place. I, I know I've felt that. And so I know for me, it just means just center, just Jesus, <laughs> a refocusing. But I know when I can feel it, when I'm not connected. That's yeah. all I meant to say. It, it actually, I'm a big Charles Spurgeon fan. And it's Charles, uh, Charles Spurgeon's breakdown of this verse, he actually talks about how we become familiar with sin. Like when we're in sin, we don't know mm-hmm. until it gets revealed. And he uses the example of pulling a bucket out of a well. And when the bucket is underwater, you can't really feel the resistance. You can't feel the weight of the bucket. Oh, yeah. The minute that it's out of the water, you feel the weight. And that's part of the conviction of the Holy Spirit is that we would actually feel the weight of our sin. And it's kind of what you're talking about, mm-hmm. right? When you actually feel like you're unconnected. Sometimes you yeah. can go so long not even knowing you're connected and then um, all of a sudden, you know, when, all of a sudden, when conviction comes, it's a realization. Man, you're, you're unconnected. Yeah. Brianne mentioned that it makes her think of your analogy of being under the umbrella. Oh from yeah, a, pre- yeah. A recent sermon where you're you're out totally. away from the favor of the Lord, and then you can step back in. And yeah. We were curious if anyone wanted to share, type in some of the things that make them feel very connected with the Lord. Um, yeah. I know that lots of people like random things like hiking or or different things like that. And so if you have anything that specifically you take time and you're like this, I know will will make me, uh, you know, graft me in, <laughs> make yeah. me feel super connected. We'd love to hear about it. Uh, I have verse 7 here. Uh, oh, yeah. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask uh, for anything you want and it will be granted. And uh, uh, there's a connection between remaining and answered prayer. And really, I think what's happening is there's a connection where our will, like what we want and the will of God kind of line up because we're like in yeah. line, right? Like I, I made me think of, um, you know, when people put blue dye in, in water with a white flower, and the flower oh, kind it. of yeah. absor- uh, absorbs it. I made me think of it. And actually, you know, speaking of Spurgeon, this is what he says. Prayer comes spontaneously from those who abide in Jesus. Hmm. Prayer is the natural outgushing of, soul, of a soul in communion with Jesus. And I just thought that was a really beautiful analogy. That is cool. I mean, I really like praying more when it comes from... I feel like it's coming from God rather than me yeah. lifting a list up to him. I like when it's the ideas seem to come from him instead, and I, I feel like I'm agreeing with him rather than <laughs> asking for a bunch of things. But anyway, yeah. Brianne loves worship music. Uh, yes, amen. <laughs> Melissa, um, walking helps me connect with God. Yeah. Just him and I. Yeah, I agree. There's the baby stage for you. Yeah. <laughs> when you oh. finally get alone time. <laughs> uh, let's see. We have a comment here again from oh, yeah. Robin. We are nourished through the branches, so if we remain in the Word and follow Christ's instructions to grow spiritually and see results, that's yeah. exactly right. Oh, Linda comments, oh, out in nature really makes me appreciate God yeah. so much <laughs> and feel the peace and purity of His creation. Yeah, I had the opportunity to go for a walk this afternoon. It was snowing. I actually really love the snow, A, because we rarely ever get it, and B, this year I didn't have to shovel the church, so praise Jesus for that. But uh, I got to walk. Uh, uh, there's trails along the woods right, by, right in front of our house. And it was so magical. It's just, it's so quiet when it snows. And it's just, yeah, it's beautiful. So I relate to that as well. One of the things that I 
I questioned and looked up a little bit further, further, farther, further, was in verse 16. It says, you didn't choose me, I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit. So I, I focused more on that, you didn't choose me, I chose you comment. And I was like, hmm, wonder what that means. <laughs> I like just thinking um, sometimes. And so one of the thoughts I had was maybe he's just addressing his disciples. He literally chose them, called them out of boats, called them from wherever they were, tax collecting, all these things. Mm-hmm. So he literally chose them. Or... I looked it up, it said that our salvation experience as a whole is led by the Spirit. We respond to the Spirit as we studied in John 6. It, sa- it says uh, we partner with what the Spirit is already doing. You, you receive salvation because the Spirit has, you know, wooed you and you've responded. So I liked that. It's his idea. He loved us first. You know those verses we yeah. love because Jesus loved us first. This was his, his idea and his... Uh, initiation he initiated yeah. the loving relationship so i liked that um, so he chose us <laughs> awesome uh james and tanya sent oh. uh, this in uh they actually emailed in and uh kind of the same verse area it says the word prune also means wash i.e you are already clean this aspect of pruning is not a one-time thing he continually washes us uh, of things such as fear shame guilt by the holy spirit bottom line there is bottom line here is to love with a heavenly love not a worldly love. Hmm. Yeah, good insight. Yeah, good I know he keeps pruning, from, that is for sure. And yeah. I find that it's so interesting as we get older and maybe not more mature necessarily, but kind of in our relationships with the Lord that I feel like he prunes the tiniest things sometimes. <laughs> He's yeah. convicting me of things. I'm like, okay, I guess we're going that deep. So yeah, yeah. it's good. Actually, it reminds me of my dad. My dad's a phenomenal gardener. His Italian genes, anything he plants grows. But one of the things that always struck me with my dad is not everything that used to grow needs to still be there. Oh, and yeah. uh, especially with tomato plants. So tomato plants, uh, um, they will grow like they're a, a You'll be so fruit. proud that you were listening. Right. And, <laughs> and they'll grow offshoots, right? And so your options are you let the offshoots grow and you get smaller tomatoes. Oh, yeah. Or you choose which ones to prune so that other tomatoes will grow bigger. And so it's not even about pruning. Um, this is just part of the analogy. And it's the same thing with grapes, actually, if you study about, yeah. if you look at how people prune grapes, it's not about just pruning the unproductive. It's pruning something so something else can grow. And sometimes that's what the Holy Spirit's doing in our lives, too. It's not necessarily bad. It's not necessarily a sin, but it still needs to be cut off so that other areas of our lives can grow. That's true. Right? I mean, everything it's a, it's takes a, our attention and time and money. 100%. And, yeah. yeah. It's a great uh, reference, reference, analogy for boundaries. Yeah. Right? Boundaries are healthy. Yeah. yeah, I bet it gives more life to other areas. It's not necessarily a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Just, to, yeah. What about, let's see. Oh, I have verse 18 here. If the world hates you, remember that it hated me <laughs> first. So I've always found this really interesting. Is this interesting our political statement for this political evening? Political <laughs> statement for the evening. Um, I, the world actually never really hated Jesus. Like if you look at the Gospels, even like Pilate, who would have been the representation of the world uh, uh, in terms of the Roman Empire, found no real guilt in Jesus. The people who hated Jesus was the religious establishment. <laughs> so it, it, sometimes as Christians, and this is me as well, like I'm right here, uh, um, I guess the question or statement is what make, it, it makes me ask, why does the world actually hate me? Does it hate me because, you know, I'm actually behind Jesus, proclaiming Jesus, evangelizing Jesus, kind of, you know, that avenue? Or does the world hate me because I'm defending an institution or 
quite Ooh. frankly, I'm just a jerk, <laughs> right? And sometimes, like Christians, that's a really good question. <laughs> especially with online now, we got Facebook and Twitter and all these different avenues where we almost can be behind a computer and anonymously, not honestly, but you know, say something and and we think like, hey, what are we actually defending? Are we defending Jesus? Yeah. Are we defending ourselves? And you know, or do they hate me or whatever? Or do they actually literally hate me? <laughs> that's true. Yeah, I know. Make sure it's that it's because they were preaching about Jesus, right? Right. What a, oh, miss, oh, yes, he was misunderstood. Yeah. Yeah. He was. The, I think he was misunderstood, misunderstood by most. <laughs> yeah. And we, we even see it in our study of John, how in the end the, the Pharisees are like, look, the miracles, people are going to believe him. He knew. They knew. But they were just scared. They're, they're going to yeah. lose what they had established. So anyways, I really liked, food for thought. Um, oh, I don't know how far to jump. I don't no, want to jump too far. But I, I looked up. Oh, 22. You had something there, didn't you? Yes, I did. I said in verse 22, let's see, it said, they would not be guilty if I had not come and spoken to them, but now they have no excuse for their sin. And I was like, yeah, when we have that revelation of what you're doing is wrong, there go the excuses. And I know that we've all felt that. We're like, okay, no more. (laughs) Um, Mm. Like just that, I just... And, then, and you can't really place that on others, right? Like we've had those convictions where it's like, I feel convicted of this and, you know, you're in a, in a marriage or something. So you're like, I kind of wish you felt convicted about this so we could, but you don't. So anyway, just having that revelation from the Lord being like, I just can't do this anymore. And I love that he does that. It means he cares about us so individually. And yeah, yeah. I just like that. I, we need a revelation of the Lord to change. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Uh, like Tanya here. Uh, when I don't prune my tomato plants, like take the suckers off, the plants get out of control. I don't get as many tomatoes. I can liken that to worldly uh, pressure sucking me dry if I am not going constantly back to the Holy Spirit to get filled. Excellent that is point, a good on. Excellent. point. <laughs> even, even back to your point in verse 22, uh, Katie and I, several years ago now, Katie first and I followed, went to uh, and did the School of Supernatural Ministry. <laughs> and they spent a lot of the beginning of it talking about grace. And grace is one of those topics that, like, I don't know, I guess it can get people uncomfortable because it's it, great. The grace of Jesus is so radical. And I remember, like, learning that, um, learning that uh, his, like, grace isn't, you know, doesn't empower sin, but actually calls us even higher. Mm-hmm. Like Jesus then says to his disciples, right, like, if you, if you look, if you hate your brother, that's like murder. If you stare at another oh, woman, right. that's like yeah. adultery. It actually has a higher standard. And I think that's a lot of what you're talking about. Like, the whole, the, it's not about how far can I go and, and just before I sin. God's calling us to a higher standard, to an even greater life, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's a good point. James commented, the world hates us because of the Holy Spirit in us. There's no neutral ground. Yeah, yeah. it's good. It's either love or hate. They're either ready to respond <laughs> to the moving of the Spirit or they're not. And yeah, they don't want it. Yeah, it's kind of <laughs> like your point last week, actually. They're not yeah, ready. Yeah, not ready. Not ready to hear. Their hearts are already closed. Eyes are closed. Ears are deaf. Yeah, mm-hmm. we're either ready or... I actually really liked in verse 26, I looked up the definition of um, advocate, and it was paraclete. You, there you go. What? She practiced. I practiced. <laughs> Say it again. Say it again. It's so good. It was paraclete. Yes. I wanted to make sure I was saying the Hebrew word right. <laughs> and it means comforter, encourager, and counselor. And I loved that because it makes the word richer and it's not just advocate which is like speaking on someone's behalf which is powerful and amazing but also comforter encourager and counselor so that's verse 26 yeah it's <laughs> good i just yeah keep the holy spirit keeps us connected yeah right that's actually what keeps us connected to the vine right? it's like the yeah i think anyways. if the disciples had known what they were being promised they would have not tried to prevent the death <laughs> oh i actually commented <laughs> like, about it, it <laughs> i commented about it a little bit later but like what 
Jesus is telling his disciples and like maybe what their expectations were and then you read Acts and if you really think about it, like literally 0% of me what, would imagine yeah. <laughs> that I would be speaking in different languages yeah. and like <laughs> tongues of now fire. Now we kind of have that expectation because right. we have the written word, but they would have been like, no, this is not what I thought. I'm, don't worry, guys. I'm sending you the Holy Spirit. Oh, what is that? Yeah. And all of a sudden, like it comes like, oh, that's what it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was fun. I well, want to move with the Spirit. <laughs> yeah, me too. Do it Speaking again. Speaking of that, in verse, or chapter 16, that's where we pretty much lead off with is the work of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, and it actually says pretty, specific, pretty specifically, the work of the Holy Spirit guides us into all truth, tells us what God's saying, and tells us all about the future. Mm-hmm. That's cool. That is what people are looking yeah. for. And I have a neat experience with, and, and please feel free to type in with your, um, your experiences with the Spirit, whether it's um, guiding you into truth, telling you what God's saying, telling us about the future. I know for me, when my, my older sister pastored here before we did, and I felt a prompting in my heart about a year, I wrote it down, about a year before she moved away, that she was moving away. And I needed that warning. I, don't, I didn't share it with her until after she moved, but she was going away for a, a sabbatical time. And I said, I knew, I knew she wasn't coming back because I had been prepared. And that was one of those really, really hard things that I was like, thanks, Holy Spirit. Because I, yeah, I, just don't, I don't like being surprised. <laughs> she didn't tell me either. I I'm, was surprised. <laughs> I'm not, I, sometimes I'm surprised. She doesn't tell me everything. Yeah. But I do appreciate sometimes those things drop into my spirit. So I'm curious if anyone has any. Yeah, even actually verse 7, um, just kind of filling in your point too. You know, but in fact, it's best for you that I go away because if I don't away the advocate, uh, um, like you were saying. Uh, um, and, and so now this is you know, where Jesus was the physical body, the presence. Now we carry the presence with yeah. us, right? This is universal spiritual presence in each and every one of us. And, and, and so it's obviously greater than just Jesus. And so it makes me think, like, how are, I don't know, how aware are we that a, we carry the presence of God? And then how does that change what we say and what we do? And maybe that's even a good question for all you guys listening right now. Uh, um, you know, do, are we really aware that we carry the presence of God? And, and if we were like so attuned and so aware of it, yeah. how will that actually affect how we handle certain situations, how we speak, how we act, and those different things? Uh, oh, yeah, James mentioned uh, verse 13. Yes, that the spirit of prophecy. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak out of speak on his own, but will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. Yeah, prophecy. Mm-hmm. And how cool would that be if this, this town, our lives, our spheres were inundated with, let's see, <laughs> guiding them into truth, <laughs> yeah. telling them what God's saying, telling them about their future. Like, yeah, who's re- not looking for that? <laughs> I read one of the most boring books in the world called The Power of the Blood Covenant. So, like, I, you know, what, if, you, if words, you're really into, boring, like, reading... It was probably awesome. It's, it's deep. <laughs> Anyways, the author is actually was, a, was an evangelist and one of the first uh, um, white evangelists into China in, in the, like, in, in the, around the 40s and 50s and kind of was part of the beginning of the underground church movement. Mm-hmm. And, uh, in fact, uh, so many of those underground pastors were coming to him uh, absolutely flustered because... Um, People would come to church and get saved, yet they were still going to the temples to, and, um, and still like, continue those practices. And so they're like, well, how do we make that transition? And, and they were going, 
he, uh, later he found out that they were going to the temple because the temple is where they got practical daily living. They would go to the temple and they would pray to their ancestors. They would, they would talk to those oh. in the temple to find out, okay, how do I deal with what I'm going through today? How do I deal with poor crops? And, and, and he's saying, this is the work of the Holy Spirit. Until yeah. the church begins to answer those questions, they will continue looking Elsewhere. for those answers. And we have the right answer. And it really began to shift the movement to, to prophecy and, and actually speaking into the daily lives of the people. So that was, that I remember is that interesting. That an awesome mm-hmm. point. An ouch. Yeah, it was really? just, a, just an awareness. It's, it, he, he was aware of that too. They spent so much time focusing on uh, sin and salvation yeah. that they forgot that, you know, the Bible has things for today as well. It's good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, would, I liked, in verse 33, made me think, Melissa, of what you had said about Lazarus when he was raised from the dead. You said, so then Jesus conquered the grave before he conquered the grave. And it, it made me think, um, let's see, it says, I have told you all this so that you may have peace. Um, take heart, I have overcome the world. And it was, I have overcome the world. Not yeah. I will overcome the world or once I rise from the dead off the cross or whatever, I will overcome the world. I liked that. It was present tense. Just kind of like what happened with Lazarus. He's, he's on the move mm. and he has overcome and he has conquered death. And he, yeah. it's cool. So James and Tanya again emailed oh. with verse 22 and 23. First of all, it's, I'll read it. So you have sorrow now, but I will see you again. Then you will rejoice and no one can rob you, uh, rob you of that joy. All that, at time, that time. Oh, at that time. Yeah, you can read now. You <laughs> You won't need to ask me for anything. I tell you the truth. You will ask the Father directly, and he will grant your request because you use my name. Yeah, so first of all, he, he, uh, James and Tanya make the connection of, of Mary uh, um, when Jesus says, yeah, I'm not taking that from you. Look back to what Mary demonstrated when she poured out all she had for yeah. Jesus' feet. She had a revelation of who he was. In the same way, when we have a revelation of who Jesus is for us, we will pour out all of what we have and are. Uh, you will no longer ask me for anything. When we have a revelation of who we are in Jesus, we will walk as sons and daughters. Then we will know by the Holy Spirit what we need. We will walk in our authority. And it makes reference to Isaiah 66, 14. Oh, yeah, when you cool. see this, your heart shall rejoice and your bones shall flourish like grass. The hand of the Lord shall be known of to his servants and his indignation to his enemies. I like the promises of yeah. the Lord. <laughs> Yeah, the connection about asking and receiving and your joy being made complete is repeated in these three chapters, 1511, 1622, 24, 17, 13. There's that connection. It's a connection like, between... Yeah, the love and obedience. I wrote that down too. Yeah. I was like, okay, staying connected to the vine. Right after that part, it says to stay connected, you have to be obedient. I forget where I read that, um, but I did. I wrote it down. And I was like, all right. And it, for me, it started really like, okay, what's God saying? Do the small things, then you can do the bigger things. But it's about obedience. What have, what have you? What are you hearing him say and doing that obediently, whether you see the fruit of it or not? And that's just, yeah, not our job. Our job is the obedient part. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good, James. Thank you. Yeah. And um, you too. Well said. What? Isn't she so smart? It's my Valentine. <laughs> no, but I like the Bible. Yes. <laughs> I loved chapter seventeen. Shall we touch on the prayer of Jesus? It's just so powerful. I didn't actually write anything down for probably like four days because I was like, maybe we should just read the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. to, I love the whole thing is Jesus' words and what more could we want? But anyway, we pulled out. Yeah. So, oh, Tanya well, had something point, else to Tanya. say. Good point, Tanya. I like this. I think as we start coming out of this COVID thing in, in the coming months, it's definitely up to us 
uh, to change the atmosphere around us by how we will walk in love and joy, people will notice. That is an excellent point. Mm -hmm. Excellent point. I agree with Tanya. I mean... um, And I think, honestly, people have noticed. And I think we'll see the fruit in the months (laughs) to come as well, where we where we walked in fear and different mm-hmm. things, we will see fruit of that too. <laughs> yeah, what a good word. I agree. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Verse 4, what do you got there? Oh, in 17? Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, I eventually wrote some stuff down because there were lots of things we did like and I didn't want to just read the entire thing because I know you guys read it. So <laughs> um, back to obedience. Verse 4 says, I brought glory to you here on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. What is God calling you to do? Mm-hmm. And are you doing it? Don't look around at others and don't judge them or what they're doing. Just focus on yourself and what God is asking you to do. Focus on him, but on what he's asking you to do and do that. And that's what Jesus did. And so really. Yeah. Craig makes a great observation. Oh. It's about 17. We are in the world, but because of Jesus and the spirit, we are not of the world. You had comment. We talked a lot about that in verse 15. Um, mm-hmm. Just different conversations we've had over the years about kids and school and even our own influences, different friends, where you can go, are we of the world, you know, how much can you be in the world and not have it wear off on you, all these things. It's a great conversation, but ultimately, we are the light of the world. And if we're not in the world, then not of it, but in it, then then they won't see it. (laughs) Right. The the fear statement is we will be affected by the world. And the faith statement is I will affect the world. Right? And, it, and I mean, as parents, it's challenging because when, how do we know our kids are ready? Well, when will they yeah, ever be ready? it's harder when they're kids, But I, I think at some point, I don't know, your faith has to be strong enough that you realize that, A, you can make those decisions for yourself and understand where you're uncomfortable. B, also know by the power of your influence that your influence is greater than anything this world has mm-hmm. to offer. Yeah, yeah. good point. I, I think of some of the conversations we've heard over the years from our Moms with their young kids, what their, what their yeah. kids are even speaking out loud to, well, even to demons, get out of my room, things like that. They're young. This, they're ready. Yeah. <laughs> There's some things they could teach this world. <laughs> oh, man. Even when our kids come home and they just kind of tell us a little side story, like it means nothing to them, and I hear it, and all I can, I'm like smile on my face, stay calm, stay calm, Sam, and inside I'm like praying in tongues, <laughs> protect my kid. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, we don't ever stop praying that, but Jesus prayed to protect them by the power of God so they will be united, protect them safety from the evil one. Verse 15 is by the power of the Spirit. Um, Because we are sent to this world, we need the protection and power of the Spirit. (laughs) Amen. Like, I I thought that too. Um, Verse 11, um, by the power of your name, that statement, it kind of reminds me of Philippians 2, right? At the name of Jesus, every every knee will bow in heaven and earth beneath the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And uh, we need this. And it's a reminder to pray for ourselves. Like if we're not aware of the fact that we are being attacked mm-hmm. and, and maybe part of our spiritual rundown is that we need to stand and say in the name of Jesus, you know, be broken. And we got to pray for others in that same power. There's, there is a power in the name of Jesus. Do you want to read that? Yeah, I was, really just, cool. I was just scrolling. It went up above my screen for a second. Here. Oh, there we go. Oh, yeah, sermon from a little kiddo. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Melissa was sharing uh, today. Nico told me that when the devil steals something from us, God can take it and give it back to us. Amen. Good word, Nico. When, when's he preaching? <laughs> Good word, Nico. That's awesome. Well, he did. Yeah. <laughs> he did now. Amen. More. Yeah, more, Lord. <laughs> Pray that over all of our kids, that they would experience yeah. the fullness of what God has for them at very young ages. I remember lots of the young kids in this church speaking things in we want yeah. to hear it. <laughs> oh, man, kids are like, we got to make room. 
Yeah. We've got to make room for our kids to speak and to ask. Oh, yeah. hang on. Tanya said something and it went right up. Oh, okay. Hang on. I'm losing it all. I have it right here. All right, chatty cathies. <laughs> so teaching, fantastic. Teaching our kids this truth. This is from Tanya. Teaching our kids this truth of the world and, and not of the world oh, is yeah. tough uh, to walk at times. But boy, does it pay off when they're entering adulthood. It, adulthood, it cements their identity. Um, can I just tell you, as a youth pastor, how many times I've watched, um, you know, like really, really sheltered kids hit the point of independence, like 18, 19, and like hit the things they were sheltered from, like really hard versus yeah. some of the kids that maybe had honest conversations. Or are you, I, in fact, as a youth pastor, you think some of the kids that had the worst upbringings, like alcoholic uh, parent or that, that, you know, they're down the wrong road, but because they've experienced those things and saw it firsthand while they were still young enough to be protected, that when they're on their own, I don't know, they make good decisions. Yeah, it's good. It's, I just think it's, I always say, it's, it's worth a conversation. <laughs> They've experienced something, okay, now we show them what, it's never too late yeah. to say, okay, God has, has an answer to this. He has some words for this situation. You haven't, it's not too late. <laughs> yeah, teaching our kids Let's to pray. Teach. <laughs> teaching our kids they have authority. It's cool. I don't yeah. it's, kids are just way more That's capable. That's so cool. Oh, Bran was sharing. I just realized I hadn't, I read it, but didn't say it. Um, Hunter and Zoe were looking at a kid's Bible, and Hunter was telling Zoe the stories that went with the pictures. She was amazed at how much he knew. Well, isn't that awesome? Yeah, <laughs> totally. You never really think they're paying attention, and then out they come with truth. <laughs> it's always exciting. Yeah. God probably so, feels that way about us. Oh, Look 100%. at my kids. They are, they are getting it. <laughs> um, 17 is just, I don't know, it's just a really intimate moment. Now, John yeah. spends the most time out of all his all of the Gospels on these last moments of Jesus' life, and they're significant. And this prayer was definitely one. Um, I know in verse 21, like, I pray that they will be one just mm -hmm. as you and I are one. Uh, what a powerful statement. And now, ever since I was young, I've always looked, and my heart has always been unity. Like, even as a young pastor, and I always had, like, different thoughts of what unity is. And, and I think I've matured, and I think some of my ideas when I was younger were not quite there. But um, I remember reading, and I, I always remember the section of Scripture. It's Revelation 7, verses 9 to 10. So the minute I saw this, I remember the, this verse in oh, Revelation. Cool. It says, After this, I saw a vast crowd, too great to count, from every nation and tribe, people and language, standing in front of the throne and before the Lamb. They were clothed in white robes and held up palm branches in their hands. And they were shouting with a great roar, salvation comes from our God who sits on the throne and from the Lamb. And uh, that picture has totally cemented, because our prayer was what? Like your kingdom come here on earth mm -hmm. as it is in heaven. And, it, and in this picture in Revelation, it makes a dis distinction of different tribes, different tongues. And, and, like, and sometimes my brain's like, unity means there's only one church in power River and that's it. But there's different expressions, but the, we need to be unified in our worship. Regardless of our style and mm. our look, th this is the one non-negotiable. It's that God is worthy of our worship. He is worthy of our devotion. And, 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 and we need to demonstrate that. Like even uh, in the earlier chapters, and I think it's chapter 16 where Jesus was like, uh, um, you know, and I, I showed who the Father was, or maybe this was in 17. But like this was the ministry of Jesus. He revealed the Father. And now yeah, Christ <laughs> lives in us. And now we need to demonstrate and reveal the true nature of our Father God. And in that, we are made one. Yeah. So, well, I, I think mm -hmm. to actually reveal 
the Father, Son, and Spirit effectively, we need to be one. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. true. We, they won't, if we're not united, they won't see the various parts of the body, the various gifts and talents and strengths and weaknesses and all these things if we're yeah. just one, one arm. One arm. Flapping. <laughs> yeah. You know? No one wants um, one arm. <laughs> James and Tanya made a note on verses 15 oh. and 19 of chapter 17. It's very clear that we're set apart, sanctified in this world, and this specifically because we have His Word, yeah. His truth in us. And that is so true. Amen to that. Yeah, good word. Oh, yeah. Unity does not mean uniformity. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Even like um, it continuously says in that prayer in 17 that, we, that you, know, I, you know, you gave me your glory. And, and, and throughout Scripture, there's references to, to reflecting glory. And a really good and probably an appropriate image is that, that we're like mirrors. We reflect mm-hmm. God and the holiness and, and the way we live is like how clean the mirror is. And the more, less of us and more of him gets shown. We reflect the glory of God. And that, that's just a beautiful picture. I was just reading, mm. Robin had one more before we head yeah. out. I'm praying not only for these disciples, but also for all, yeah, us, who will ever believe in me through their mm-hmm. message, through the word. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was for us. He was praying for us. I, I got that out of it too. That's why it yeah. took me a long time to write. I was just, just a significant prayer. Yeah. And I, this is like the moment. This is an important prayer. So, yeah, wonderful. Thanks, well, Robin, for that. Next week, we're heading into chapters 18 and 19. Mm-hmm. Two, two chapters this week. Two chapters. We're just so honored that you would join us. Uh, we're only a couple of weeks two away. Weeks. And so (laughs) we're probably going to be done for a little bit, but uh, let us know what you think. Uh, um, And yeah, we love feedback. So let us know again. So 18, 19 next week at 730. Awesome. Do you want to close in prayer? Sure. Awesome. Why not? (laughs) I don't know if I can compete with Jesus' prayer of chapter 17. (laughs) Yeah. Well, look at Tanya. No pressure, eh? Talking about reverse funny, but also this prayer right now. Well, God, I do pray that you would make us one, that you would Mm -hmm. unite our hearts um, in worship, in prayer. I pray that over our city, that you would unite us, God, as believers, that we would truly reflect who you are. I pray that we would step into prophecy Mm -hmm. and ministering to our community, the future, the... I think we're just kind of too scared to believe you might even have that for us, but you do. You yeah. have all of the wisdom that we need, all the resources, the protection, the provision, and we have it all <laughs> ready to share. And so I pray, Lord, that you would just cause our hearts to burn, the words to just pour out with wisdom and revelation what you have for us, what you have for this community, each of our communities, if you're not from here. And yeah, just pray a blessing over each of us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, guys. Love you. Yeah. Miss your faces.